I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Imran. Yeah, again, we're recording on an afternoon after a big match, a big win. We are celebrating our Carabao Cup win from yesterday. Uh, I was at the game. I know, Imran, you weren't. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you had probably have a better view of it than me. But it was, uh, I was in a great part of the ground for the atmosphere, right behind the kind of United goal about row seven. But it's not always the best view of the pitch. And to be fair, yeah, I'd had quite a few drinks, so I was like more interested in the atmosphere than what was going on in the game after time as well. So yeah, I will be deferring to you for a lot of what was happening in this match. Um, but yeah, look, the celebrations, the feeling, it's all, yeah, it's been a while coming. It's the longest wait that we've had for a trophy since 1983. Six years uh, that went back from 97 to 83 cup final win. So even in kind of, you know, years of the 80s and all when we had not the best of times. We still were pulling out the odd cup here and there. So, yeah, six years now finished back in there. And I've said before on this podcast that often we look down on this League Cup, but this time everybody's celebrating it in a massive way, right? Well, yeah, it was... Well, actually, I think you find the League Cup is now the most important uh, domestic trophy because we've won it. <laughs> it. It meant nothing when City won it five times or whatever, but now we've won it. Now it means something. And to be fair, actually, you, yeah, the way this final's been built up because of us, because of Newcastle, it feels like it has actually taken on way more importance, I feel. Maybe I just pay less attention to it when we're not in the final, but to me, it feels like this was a, it felt like a big final, a big game. And yeah, just to win it was, I mean, fantastic. The, I'm giving you feelings you haven't had for a long, long time. Yeah, and it just shows how starved we've been of that kind of success. As a, yeah, I'll be honest, I haven't watched recent Carabao Cup finals. If we, you know, when we're not in it, I'm not that interested. Um, but yeah, even just to get to the final, it's been a while. Of course, Ole did get us to the Europa League final. We didn't win it. But yeah, this one does have a different feel as well, just off how things are going earlier in the season. And the players, the players seem to really enjoy it. You know, I said my view of the pitch and the on-field wasn't great, but I had a great view of all the celebrations being right there by pitch side, the players coming round after. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, let's have a quick look at that match. I mean, it was not a kind of classic performance, was it? Uh, no, but it, I felt like a game we also controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like we were ever in any real jeopardy. In fact, I felt we actually scored at a really good time because that felt when Newcastle were about to like peak in there, getting into the game. I think Maximan had that one shot a couple of minutes before, and they just started to feel like they were really feeling themselves into the game, and then we scored, and that kind of killed it. And then from then on, I felt like we were in total control. Yeah, in the second half, we kind of just played that counter-attacking, counter-pressing game, uh, inviting them onto us and controlling it in that aspect. But it didn't it, it didn't really feel like Newcastle ever troubled De Gea or troubled our defence. And, uh, I mean, you could pick a man of the match, I think, from Martinez, Varane, or Casemiro. I think all three, any three of them could have a man of the match. Probably I remember Saka too for his half, but... Yeah, you didn't, it didn't feel like you were going to get past those three or past De Gea. And it turned out to be a quite a comfortable cup final, which is quite nice, really. No, yeah, it was actually, yeah, more comfortable than I was expecting. Uh, as you said, there was that early kind of chance for St. Maximin. And after that, there wasn't a great deal. But yeah, it was a very different kind of performance than maybe we'd had against these couple against Barcelona recently, where I felt we really kind of went toe-to-toe with them, played some lovely passing moves, created good chances 
this one, I mean, Eric Ten Hag, of course, he'd said pre-match that Newcastle are an annoying team. They come to defend. They maybe come to time waste. And yeah, there was a bit of mind games. He'd come in pre-match from this as well. But I think he knew that that first goal is absolutely vital. And that if Newcastle get it and then try and just mm. defend it, it's going to be a nightmare for us. So yeah, it looked like he went a bit more kind of reserved, a bit more defensive himself than maybe he has done in other matches recently. And it shows a bit of that tactical flexibility, you know, that we were talking about on the last show, how he's happy to switch things up, even in the middle of a match, formations, players. Uh, and yeah, I think he realised that, yeah, we're going to have to approach this one in a totally different way than when we're playing somebody like Barcelona. Yeah, because we said it on the last part, but going 1-0 down to Newcastle in a cup final, no, that would have been an absolute slog to get back into it. And it, it felt like actually we were, and plus they would have obviously... Not that we weren't up for it, but you could say sense like Newcastle their first final and got most of the I think most of their players first finals fans they'd be right up it from the off and it was up to us to kind of take the sting out of the game a little bit, uh, slow it down, pay at our own pace, and then try to get a goal and catch them and that's what we did. Um, yeah, because going a goal down would have been awful. And when we got the goal, then we control and uh, control the game and we just sort it out. And then I think the second goal was a real boon, and then that. <laughs> A 2-0 at half-time, you were thinking we're in a great position here and it would have been unlikely for us to lose it, I think, at that point. Yeah, definitely, because we know that Newcastle is not their attacking side that is their strong point. It's definitely their defensive side. But yeah, we showed our defensive side in this game. Uh, you know, I've been really happy with a lot of our attacking play recently, but as you mentioned, the players that really come out of this match with credit is more about the defenders, about Varane, Martinez, Juan Bissaka, and yeah, Casemiro deservedly man of the match and getting that opening goal that's now like four goals for him in our last 12 games. And it equals, it took him like 100 matches to, to score four goals before that. And it's Isn't something. It five goals he's got this is season. It? I, no, I yeah, this season. Five. I said in the last 12 yeah. games. Uh, oh, in the last 12, yeah, yeah. Yeah, four goals in 12 games. So, yeah, they've been coming like on quite a regular basis for him. Um, and, yeah, I've never had him down as somebody who was going to be chipping in with this many goals. Well, you look at it, actually. You look at Fred, Casemiro, and Ericsson between them, they've got. 30 goal contributions in terms of goals and assists. I think Casemiro's on about 10, Fred's on 9, and Ericsson's on 11 um, in terms of goals plus assists. So that's a lot from your midfield. And especially we've been, we're used to our midfield not really contributing anything in terms of goals and assists, and it kind of all falling on Bruno plus whoever's up front shoulders. So it's actually pretty good that we have a midfield there. I mean, I, obviously you expected Ericsson to chip in with the assists and actually maybe a few more goals than he's got, but I don't think you'd expect Casemiro to come up with five goals and five assists. And Fred, Fred's equaled his total for the, all of last year, uh, all of last season already. Um, and he's played a lot less this season, obviously. He's not been first choice, whereas last season he was pretty much first choice throughout. So actually, and he'll probably end up, he'll, you can imagine him definitely getting a few more goals and assists for the end of the season. So yeah, it's great. It's great contributions from them. And yet, not what you expect from Casemiro, but he's adding all these strings to his game that we didn't know about because it's three of, three of the Madrid shackles. Hmm. And yeah, it's great to see players like Varane, Casemiro, who's won everything, you know, World Cups, Champions League. Because I swear by yesterday's celebration, you think it was the first trophy. They yeah, well, to. that's what I'm saying. They're absolutely loving it. Uh, and yeah, you know, even for these players who've been everywhere, going into a full Wembley Stadium, representing your team, winning something is still something that they will remember. Uh, you know, I'm sure they if they ask them honestly, they won't compare it to when they've won things like the World Cups and Champions Leagues. And hopefully, yeah, we can get towards doing that in United colours for them. But yeah, you could see they were absolutely loving it and uh, enjoying every moment like us fans were. No, I mean, the celebrate. I've watched the celebrations back so many times, watched all the pictures. I mean, Bob Veghorst is my favourite because he was just loving life. He looked like the happiest man in the galaxy. And to be fair to him, he probably is because what? Three months ago, he's at six. He's gone from being relegated with Burnley to playing for probably like the fourth best team in Turkey. So suddenly, he's playing for Man United, starting the cup final and winning the bloody thing. Winning his first, he's played in two cup finals before this in Holland and lost both. And now he's starting up front, getting an assist and winning the cup final. Just him on his haunches, just looking at the crowd. It's that is, I mean, people will slate his, you know, footballing ability or whatever. But I mean, you can't fault his work rate, you can't fault the passion he had. He's had since coming here and it's just made me really happy <laughs> no and I have to give him some credit because you know we talked about who we would start in this game on the last podcast and I said I would not start him because I just thought he was doing the hard work but not offering enough 
uh, in other places of the pitch. But yeah, in the end, he's got the assist for the Rashford goal. Uh, and that goal has now officially been credited. Originally, it went down as an own goal, but it's now officially a Rashford goal. But yeah, the assist comes from Veghorst. Mm. I thought he had a decent game. Again, his stats defensively, even from playing number nine, are his best point in his game. If you look at how many tackles he's made, how many interceptions, uh, you know, it's all about the defensive side of it. But yeah, if he can do that in the match and it makes the difference, you can't complain. And as I say, adding an assist there as well, he was definitely worthy of getting the start. Yeah, I thought he had probably his best half of football for us and he saved it for the final and it's what you want, really. Uh, Great assist, uh, nice little play between him and Rashford, who I think actually seem to do all right together, him and Rashford. But um, but yeah, and then Rashford going good. Not the best of shots, but you get that look and Karius has gone down a bit, probably a bit too early. And I mean, not a massive error from Karius. I thought he actually had a good game. Uh, Like the... The humanitarian in me was like quite happy that Carrius had a an okay game and we still won. I, I I don't think I wanted the we won because Carrius did five howlers and I'm quite glad we won in and he had a fine game. But yeah, and then once that goal goes in, you really think we're on it. Then we completely missed out the first goal as well. Though. Yeah, no, 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 let's talk about the goals. Uh, as you said, the game was pretty even early on. There wasn't a huge amount of open chances, I say, right in front of me, because, yeah, Newcastle were attacking our end in the first half. There was that sent maximum chance. David De Gea makes a good save. But, yeah, it's kind of soonest after that that we take the lead. Uh, I wouldn't say it was, like, against the runner play. I thought it was, like, evenish early on. But, yeah, making that breakthrough, getting the goal, and, yeah, header, nice cross from Luke Shaw. It was just perfect timing at that kind of point in the game. Just really mm. made the whole difference. Well, the whole, the whole thing was about perfect time. Perfect time to score, perfect cross from Luke Shaw, perfect time run from Casemiro. And, I mean, that's a great header. Newcastle really don't do anything that wrong with it either. You could probably say that their line's a bit high to be defending on the edge of the box from where the free kick was being delivered in. But not, not I mean, you defend, teams defend that that way if uh, crosses coming in from there all the time. It's just a fantastic delivery from Shaw and a brilliant header from Casemiro. I thought it was offside at first. I was thinking, oh my god, they're going to rule this out for offside. Can't really tell with all the, the legs blurring together. It's one of those where next year, or however many years, when they come for that automatic offside nonsense, that it might be, or oh, his knee was a millimeter offside, or whatever crap. But really, that's not offside. That's a great, great header, and it, we hadn't ruled off for offside. It would have been a joke. So, yeah, glad it stood. Casemiro was amazing. He is amazing. He is. I mean, I, I still, I still, have to, you still have to scratch your head and wonder what he's doing here. Sometimes, like, why, why has Casemiro decided to come to Man United? Who knows? But I'm, I'm really glad he has because he is amazing. Well, look, Madrid deemed him surplus to requirements. They were ready for like the next generation and had bought in, you know, what they thought were players going to be going for a while. And yeah, their, their losses obviously are gain. I mean, it is said that Ancelotti did not want to lose Casemiro, and it was more down to the fact, you know, they'd paid a lot of money for uh, too many, and. Um, Camavinga as well. So a lot of money they mm. splashed out on what they see as the players that were going to be there for 10 years. So I guess they were ready to recoup some of some of the player who they think is coming to the end of his time. But I think you can you can tell he's really relishing being the main... He is the main man in our midfield, whereas obviously at Madrid he was... Not that he wasn't the main man, but he was deferring to Modric and Cruz, who are two incredible footballers. Modric, probably the greatest centre midfielder of his generation. So, But with us, he, he is the main man in that midfield. All goes through him. He is arguably are either our top most important or second most important player. And he, I think he's relishing that. Um, no, I think he is the top most important. There's only Rashford this season who can kind of argue with yeah, it. Yeah, there's only be Rashford, yeah, who could, yeah. And so he's, he's relishing in that. He's relishing being a leader and loving playing for United. I mean, the way he celebrated winning a goal kick was both hilarious and great to see. Um, so, yeah, he's... I mean, he is the standard, and he is the standard that he's setting, and we're we're pushing off. And that. did you see him as well having a go at Bruno, even though we were like two? <laughs> I don't. I'm, I reckon that's a bit tongue in cheek. <laughs> but to be fair, Sancho was offside for that whole thing anyway, so I don't think Bruno could have passed it to him anyway, even if he wanted to. Sancho was offside for most of that run. Uh, it was a good save from Karius as well. And, you know, 2-0 with 93rd minute. Who cares if you score yeah, or don't well, score? Well, he obviously did care. But, um, <laughs> but no, look, let's go back to the second goal. Because I say, once we went up to then get that second goal before half time, 
really kind of killed his tie. And, and that's why I put this performance, I say it's like it was an efficient performance. No, it wasn't like a stunning mm. play, great football from us. Uh, and if we go and look at stats, you know, I'm always looking at like passing accuracy and things. And we were very low. I mean, I don't even want to say how low some players, even like Casemiro, uh, lower than I've ever seen him. But it's because a lot of this second half in particular was more about just stopping them from getting that goal rather than for us going. And that's why, yeah, you see some of our players in the 50s. I mean, Walt Weghorst is in the 40s. And yeah, I, I've been watching, I watch passing accuracy stats for like literally seasons and you don't, I haven't seen Manchester United player as low as that, but he made up for it with an assist. He's made up for it with the amount of tackles he's pulling out. Uh, so yeah, there's two sides of the game, obviously. Yeah, well, it was a game where we, we tried to control it out of possession as mm. opposed to in possession. Usually we tend to like to control the ball and control the possession, control the tempo of the game. But actually, this game, we, we ceded it to them and controlled it out of the game and let them play at their own pace. And then our idea was then, once we get the ball, try to get it forward as quickly as possible. Uh, you could see, even in the second half, any time someone got the ball, someone, the ball broke to someone, instead of like putting a foot on it and calming things down. And I was, I was crying out for us to calm things down, to be fair. The, the idea was get it forward quickly and let's catch them on the break and let's get this third goal. It wasn't about like calming it down, slowing the tempo down, controlling it because we we would we knew that Newcastle would just press us and then might maybe win the ball back in dangerous position. So it was about getting it forward, and that was yeah we did high turnovers, but we also created probably the best chance in that second half really because of the breaks. Um, Bruno got in behind, uh, Rashford nearly got in behind, Sancho nearly got in behind. So things were happening. It, it was just yeah, I can I can see the tactic from Ted Hag. Can see his thinking as well. Um, putting it, kind of putting it all on Newcastle and then letting us defend it, soak it up and then get them where it hurts. It was a very professional, I would go for professional performance, I think, in the cup final. Professional cup yeah, final Yeah, professional, efficient. I mean, yeah, these are the kind of words you're going to use for it. And it is good to see us being able to win in different ways, being able to deal with different kinds of teams, different kinds of oppositions. Uh, and yeah, tactically, Ten Hag's obviously got it spot on again. He did against Barcelona in a completely different situation. And he has again just three days later against Newcastle United. I mean, like you say, Newcastle United don't want to be in control of the game. They don't want to be the ones who mm. are having the most possession. And that's the way this game has gone. And it's worked out for as well. Uh, I mean, on XG, the game is kind of damn even. It's like basically 1.2 for both teams. So yeah, it shows around that. So maybe saying that we are slightly lucky to get two goals out of this game. Um, but I say XG on these kind of games where one team goes 2 0 up and then changes their style, I think doesn't necessarily reflect how the game actually runs through. And, I, you know, like you said earlier, I thought we were in control of this game for most of the way. There wasn't any black point, got worried about it. I mean, Newcastle did have a lot more possession and the odd kind of chances second half. But yeah, nothing that felt mm. that threatening at any point. Yeah, and Ten Hag got his substitution spot on basically all game. Uh, he's been getting his substitution spot on for the last two months or so, actually. We, we commented this on the last pod, actually, how great a substitution has been. But this game, I mean, bringing Wamsaka on at half-time for Dallow, who had a yellow card and had to deal with Sen Maximan, and you got Wamsaka just locked down his side. It was one of the best 45-minute performances that I can recall from one of our players. I thought it was absolutely sensational. He literally put himself in running man of the match after 45 minutes. He was that good. And we know Wamsaka is a world-class tackler. Like, he is... And for all the stick I gave Wambisaka for his footballing ability, you cannot doubt him as a one-on-one defender. And he just took Maxman completely out of the game and actually did contribute going forward as well. Won the ball quite high up the pitch a couple of times. Uh, had a, I think he had even two shots, which is kind of crazy. Um, then once we once we had that foothold and then Newcastle started playing more in the middle, we started losing control of the middle. He brought on Spitzer and McTominay. And then suddenly we seeded back the ball. We, we, that's when, again, we got more control in the game and created a few chances after that because... Newcastle couldn't play through the middle because we had Sabitz and McTominay running around like crazy people. So great substitutions from um, Ten Hag. And it, yeah, it always changing the game into our favour. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, Aaron Wan-Bissaka made seven tackles in this game, even though he only played half the match, which is the most of anyone on the pitch and the most that anyone's managed in a final for several years, even though he only played half of it. Um, you know, there was a big change at half-time as well because Newcastle bring on Alexander Izak. So they've thrown on another forward. Mm. So they went straight for it. Uh, and yeah, it was an interesting change. You know, there's been a lot of chat recently about Dallow versus Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I mean, generally, I think people will say Dallow's probably supposed to be the more technical, uh, bit better on the ball, better going forward, whereas Wan-Bissaka 
is the rock solid at the back. Great tackling. I mean, is there anyone better, like one-on-one in football? Probably not. I don't think it's his it's his world class attribute, and it's it's good to have two right backs who have completely different size for them. If you if you have a game where you're going to have all the possession, then you put Dallow in. If you go, if we're playing PSG tomorrow and Mbappe's on that side, put Wan Bissaka in. So it's good to have two right backs. And actually, I mean, I've been crying. I was. I mean, I have to apologize to Wan Bissaka. I've been crying out for us to get rid of him and get a new right back in for God knows how long. And it actually, turns out the next season, this summer, maybe actually we don't need a new right back at all if Ten Hag continues to to work his miracles. Um, and Wamsaka actually, I mean, even that, that game against City where he suddenly turned into um, Zinedine Zidane for like 10 minutes and was become the world best dribbler. If you can sort that side of his game out and I, under Ten Hag, who knows what's possible, then yeah, right back is not something we have to be concerned about. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, after striker, I think before when we were talking about transfer windows, we had right back maybe next on the list. Uh, but at the moment, mm. I don't think we even need to look at that. I think the two of them, can quite happily rotate when needed. They both they offer something a little bit different. But yeah, they're both playing at a very high level. I mean, some people already forget that in that first part of our season up to the World Cup, uh, Diogo Dallo was definitely up for our player up to that point of the season. He was playing absolutely outstanding and playing every single game. Zaren Wan-Bissaka had been injured and was not available. Since then, Dallo got injured, Wan-Bissaka's played a lot. And now it's a great part where they can both come in interchange as needed. Yeah, it's... Um... Funny you say that. I mean, I was thinking actually yesterday, who would you give our player of the season to? There's so many contenders for our player of the season now. I think on any given other year, Varane, Martinez, Shaw, Casemiro, Rashford would be hands down our player of the season, but because they're all there together doing it at the same time. Even Bruno recently has been fantastic. I probably wouldn't put him up there with those five, but you could. And I, I don't know who wins that player of the season. Probably Casemiro or Rashford, yeah, probably. I mean, but I mean, it's between actually, them two. Maybe Martinez. Can- I mean, it's well. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do it. Yeah, yeah. Look, you have so many options. I mean, I know. I think we tried to do player of the season last season, and we couldn't really come up with anybody we wanted to give it to. So yeah, a big change around there. Uh, we will take a quick break there. Come back and talk about the rest of that match and what's going on ahead. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations, Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. back for the second half of the show and yeah we were talking about the substitutions we were talking about Aaron Wambasaka coming on and putting in a absolute shift in the second half um I think again Ten Hag saw how this game was going and then did make quite a shift around it was the 70th minute you mentioned it already Sabitza and McTominay come in taking out Fred and I think part of that will have been the fact that Fred was on a yellow card mm-hmm. and then also taking out what Weghorst so, yeah, quite a shift around then, standing Rashford up front, going just for those long balls and hoping he can get on the end of them. But, yeah, look, it kept Newcastle very, very busy. They then, you know, did make a couple of subs themselves, but showed the difference maybe in level where they were bringing on the likes of Murphy and Willock. Mm. They're not players that necessarily worry you that much, although uh, there was quite a crazy shot from one of them, wasn't there? I mean, was it Jacob Murphy putting one of the most ridiculous shots you'll see for quite some time? Bent one way, then the other. And I thought, I, with the way the hair reacted, I was like, that's even miles away or really close. And then I saw the swerve on it. It's like, flipping neck. That, that would have been some goal. But yeah, to be fair, as soon as Maximin and Bruno Gimaresh are going off the pitch, you think, we've got this now. Without them two, you can't see Newcastle doing anything. And uh, I actually thought Bruno Gimaresh had a, a decent game um, for them in the wars a bit, but he, he had a good game. But yeah, once, once they're off the pitch, they're... they're their strength in depth is probably what's going to see them not qualify for Champions League this year. Um, obviously, it'll come in time when they're spending that money. But yeah, that's probably what 
that that's a big fear of theirs. And I mean, I do I do like Callum Wilson. I think he's a, a decent striker, but he's not a top level striker, and, and they probably need to sort that out as well. Well, they paid a lot of money for Isaac. Uh, mm. I think there's a, there is a big problem about strikers. Everybody needs a striker. I mean, we need a striker. Arsenal at the moment are somehow top of the league with Eddie Nketiah and playing up front week in, week out. I mean, there is definitely a dearth of top, top strikers out there. I mean, yeah, this will be something we'll talk about more in the summertime, obviously. But yeah, I do think the art of striker maybe is dying a bit. And yeah, we have, like I say, Wegos doing that job for us at the moment. And in this match, he was very much playing number nine rather than number 10 that he has played sometimes. I mean, that was mm. one thing I was kind of happy with in the lineup was that everybody was playing in what I think is their best position. Bruno back at 10. Anthony gives that balance on the right. Rashford on the left. And for me, those are the best positions where everybody should be playing in what I would call our kind of first 11. Just a shame that we don't have Anthony Martial ever available uh, to play over there. I don't know if you saw that picture that Anthony Martial... With the medical staff. Yeah, he put out a picture of himself celebrating with the cup and the, all the medical staff, who I guess are his kind of team at the moment. He's spending more time with them than he is with the rest of the players. Uh, but no, again, like going to like the post-match celebrations, it was great to see a lot of other players involved. I mean, I don't know if this was all shown on the telly or what. As I said, a lot of the celebrations were going on right in front of us and I stayed for quite a while uh, post-match and loads of fans did uh, you know back in the days as well when we were spoiled I can remember winning these cups and leaving and saying oh I can't even be bothered to watch the trophy celebration I've seen us win like eight of these before uh, I'm going to get on the tube early but uh, this time we stayed there celebrating singing the whole way singing as well down Wembley way back to the tube but yeah there was players as well in the end on the back of the pitch like Brandon Williams Zidane Iqbal hmm who were not even on the bench, not even, you know, around there. But they were on the pitch, being part of the celebrations, congratulating all the players. Uh, there was also a picture where I think Marcus Rashford and Scott McTominay pulled out a lot of the other academy players and had a picture with the cop, with, like I say, the Rikes of Williams, Iqbal, there's a few other of the youngsters who were there just to enjoy the ride. So it's great to see that kind of thing. Players who were not even part of it, still loving the fact that mm. we're back winning and, feeling part of what might, might happen going forward with Manchester United now. Yeah, even Ericsson was on the pitch with his uh, leg in a boot, protective boot. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was you've got to get everyone involved in these things, even if they're not part of the quote-unquote first-team squad. It's all big team effort. So, good to see. And um, I even, I was quite happy, well, I actually was very happy that Ten Hag put on Maguire as well. I thought it was a classy move from Ten Hag. Didn't, did something he didn't have to do. Didn't have to bring on Maguire. We didn't need him, really, for the last five minutes, but he did it. Maguire's on the pitch. He's our captain. I thought it was great of the team to push him forward to the front to collect the trophy. And I thought it was great of Maguire to say, actually, Bruno, come and we'll do it together. And that's just the spirit of the team. That's how together the team are. I, I, I thought it was great. And people saying, oh, what, what is Maguire doing up there? He's the club captain at the end of the day. Like He's day in, day out, the club captain, doing all stuff behind the scenes. Not just on the pitch stuff. He's doing stuff behind the scenes. And he has conducted himself as well as you could hope for someone who's the club captain but out of the team this year, saying all the right things, getting involved in celebrations. And yeah, he fully deserves to be up there lifting the trophy with Bruno. Ultimately, he has been a big part of this campaign. He's played a fair few games, captain team twice. I think Bruno's captain the team four times, including the final. So yeah, he's, he's been part of the campaign. So yeah, get, get him up there, get him lifting the trophy. No, oh, yeah, I was happy to see him getting involved in it. And I said, I have seen some negative comments from some of our fans saying, oh, what are we bringing him on for? We don't want to see him. But you say at the moment, officially, he is the club captain. And he's got on with things in a professional way. He's not made a fuss about his lack of minutes. Let's see what happens in the summer. I mean, I'm not sure if a player like that, who is a regular for England, will be happy to be a substitute. And I would actually be surprised if he didn't look to move on in the summer. Yeah. I think he'll move on, but I don't think he'll say anything bad. I don't. I can't see him saying no. anything negative about Ten Hag, about the club. I think he's loved his time at the club. Um, just these things happen. He's, we're moving on in a different direction. He's not part of that vision. See him moving on, it's probably best for the club as well because we can actually get some money from him. We could probably get 30, 40 million from him, and that's a good bit of business. And he'll be a good centre-back for another Premier League team. If he goes to, like, I don't know, Newcastle or Villa, he'll be solid for them. So, yeah, I think it'll, I'm, I'm just glad, you know. Good winning trophies under his captaincy reign. He got to win a trophy, and that's great. Yeah, look, yeah. I love it, this it, team. I love this team. I love all of them. So, not going to when anyone lifts the trophy. No, at the look, end they're of the day. all doing their bits, and it, it did have a bit of kind of the feeling of passing the baton from Maguire to Bruno 
that mm. probably Bruno is going to be our long-term captain. I mean, do you remember when uh, Brian Robson kind of stayed around for that Premier League win? He didn't play much that season, uh, our first Premier League win. He played, I think, he had like 10 substitute appearances or something like that. But he was there to lift that trophy and kind of pass on to the next generation. And I think he kind of held it up with Steve Bruce that season over there. And it had that kind of feel to it that, all right, he's, he's coming out just to pick up the trophy. But yeah, he'll probably be moving on this summer. Um, but yeah, everybody was doing their bit. And as I said, the fans, it was a great day out. Uh, I mean, I was actually a bit worried leading up to this game because Newcastle fans were everywhere in London. Uh, everywhere, everywhere. I mean, they treated this like it was a Euro away. Some of them had showed up on Friday. I mean, there was videos and all going out on Trafalgar Square, absolutely packed with them. Uh, so I was a bit worried that United fans were going to be outnumbered, which is rare, because normally wherever we go, we're in the majority, because most of our fans are everywhere. And uh, even like the day before on the Saturday, I'd played football Saturday morning, gone in my local pub. There was already Newcastle fans drinking in London. And well, I was like, reminding them you know the matches tomorrow they were in full kits on Saturday morning and I um, don't even live that anywhere near Wembley I'm southeast London and I was like you know the matches tomorrow boys and they were just like they were all good natured though that's the good thing between Manchester United and Newcastle United there was a lot of mixing of fans a lot of banter on the tube and stuff in and out but all good natured everybody having a good chat even post-match uh, you know having a drink afterwards and yeah seeing quite a lot of Newcastle fans there wasn't any animosity as you sometimes can get when one team are quite annoyed. I mean, I think they were happy just to be back in a final for the first time after a long time. And obviously, yeah, they're hoping for better things going forward as maybe they're expecting a bit more investment in the squad and things like that. I mean, you said you think they're not going to make top four now after this. You think this is going to maybe see the start of them falling off? I mean, already their form has been definitely falling off in the last month or so. I think so. I, don't, I just don't think they have the, the quality needed, especially within the squad. And they draw a lot of games. Even when they were in third, they were drawing a lot of games. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think Spurs are hopefully not, but maybe Liverpool might just sneak in ahead of them. Um, I think we're sorted though, and that's the main thing. Uh, just to go back to something I said, it's funny you mentioned Steve Bruce. I, it, it reminded me of actually '96 Steve Bruce, where we won the title in '96. He lifted the Premier League. And when we won the FA Cup a few days later, he told Eric Cantona to go lift that trophy, like passing the bat on there. So. These things happen in cycles, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There is <clears throat> memories of that. and But it is, has, was always important for Fergie that he kept those experienced players in there just for the next lot to go through. Uh, and Ten Hag did mention this post-match about how our winners, because De Gea is our kind of last one now who's staying from teams who've won the Premier League. Mm. And, you know, he is the only representative. All right, Phil Jones is still officially a Manchester United player. And they're still around there somewhere. And uh, I understand, actually, he was doing some of, like, punditry for this game. I didn't see any of that. I no. wasn't watching it on telly. Well, I think um, I think from the first team, from the first 11, though, I think only Rashford, Shaw and De Gea have actually won a trophy with us. I think from the uh, first yeah, 11. Yeah, so... well, Martial as well. But, yeah, he no, he won in the first 11, though, was he? No, you mean from yesterday, yeah. <laughs> from yeah, yesterday, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> obviously, like, Jones has won stuff with us as well. But, like, so, yeah, it's um, good to get the winning feeling in the team. Um, and it does feel, it does feel like it's the the gateway to, to to other bigger trophies, and that's I think what's the exciting thing about it. It feels like it's the start of something, not just well, this is this is the best we can get. Even under Mourinho, like we were winning the we won, won the League Cup, the FA well, that Cup. That is the question, the... you know. That is the question. That okay, we've had a bad decade since Ferguson, but we have still won things. You know, Louis Van Gaal won the FA Cup. Uh, Jose Mourinho won this League Cup and the Europa League. Ole got us to second place in a Europa League final. So it's not been all bad, but does this have a different feel to it? I mean, you know, as I said, we did mm. win trophies. I actually remember, unfortunately, winning the FA Cup, being in the queue to get on the tube after Wembley and already hearing that Louis van Gaal has basically been fired. So yeah, that was definitely a different feeling at that mm. time. I think that well at the other time, especially that felt like the best this team could do was that FA Cup, and that's why it was quite a celebration because it felt like this is the peak of that team. Under Mourinho, yeah, we won three trophies, but again, it never felt like well, we'll definitely now push on. And I mean, maybe it did at the time, and it's hard to look back now, but it never felt like it. Just and for some reason, it feel the, the optimism around the club, the quality of players we've got in, the fact that it definitely doesn't feel like we're that far away from City, who've just beaten Barcelona, who are. Well, currently the best team in La Liga, probably say Madrid are still better than them. Um, but yeah, it feels like, I mean, if we played Madrid 
this week, you would expect us to go toe-to-toe with them in a much better way than Liverpool did. We might lose, but it'd be certainly closer. I, you put this team up against anyone now, and you wouldn't you wouldn't fear we'd get a, a hiding. Um, so it does feel different. It feels like it's not the first trophy of the season. And, I mean, the only way is up from here, really. Yeah, and I think as well, all right, not necessarily in this game, as we said, it was a more kind of professional efficient performance but generally we've seen some very good football being played in this team and I think that is a major difference perhaps than when we won things under Mourinho and maybe under Van Hal as well I mean mm. Van Hal you know was famous for having too much focus on possession style not that many chances not that many goals Mourinho of course used to like to go ahead in game start parking the bus under Ole as well we won a lot of games sometimes played some good football played some nice goals in there as well but it wasn't always consistent and maybe it was built around more the defensive side than the attacking side whereas you know we've seen us recently play teams like Manchester City like Barcelona we haven't just won those games by defending and going on the break we won them by really going out and trying to match them yeah it felt actually although to be fair it's funny you said it, it did feel like a lot like the Ajax final from the Europa League it felt very similar kind of game in that we won 2-0 we controlled the whole thing and never really in doubt uh, but yeah, we do play a lot better football now. Um, we've seen it in those two games against Barcelona. Uh, we can create. Um, and I said the quality of player is just it's just there. We have the best centre-back partnership in the league for my money. We've got the best defensive midfielder in the league. We've got the best left winger in the league. We've got Bruno Fernandes, one of the best attacking midfielders around. Like We've got all these players. We've got Luke Shaw's best left back in the world for my money. So we've got all these quality players and it can only get better, you'd think. So, so yeah, it, it definitely feels like the start. Yeah, and I think that's the thing as well, that it's so early on in Ten Hag's career. Um, you know, there was a lot of question marks over him coming from the Dutch league where sometimes people say, all right, yeah, you've won with Ajax, but it's a whole different scenario coming and winning anything uh, in the UK. And he, he has actually become the first Dutch manager ever to win the League Cup. Another extra little stat out there. I mean, I uh, don't know how many Dutch managers have ever had the chance to. I guess Louis van Gaal did win the FA Cup with us, maybe. Rude Hollett reach finals and things like that. But yeah, off the top of my head. But yeah, random stats like that coming out. The other one, actually, uh, David De Gea yesterday became our all-time he record did. holder on clean sheets, going one ahead of Peter Schmeichel on 181 clean sheets. Schmeichel 180 and in third place, Alex Stepney at 175. Uh, you know, I think most of us last season were saying that goalkeeper is a position that we need to change, that we need a new goalie. You know, we talked about right back before... And we all had question marks over that. Uh, but say De Gea's had a great season. Again, it looks like going back three or four years, doesn't it? Yeah. A um, couple of minor ricks here and there, but I think all keepers do that. But ultimately, if he's, when, when his shot stopping remains as good as it can be, like it was in the first half against Leicester, um, then I'm perfectly happy having De Gea in there. And he is trying <laughs> to expand his game. He sweeps now. There was that one bit, yeah, the, the, my favourite bit of yesterday actually was when Trippier got him down the right. He was offside in the end, but actually I thought he might have been on. He might have gone to VAR. And then De Gea's position on that was very adventurous, near his 60-yard line, and then he's cutting out that cross because Wise Wilson has a tapping, and that's different kind of keeping that we normally see from De Gea. We don't normally see that sort of thing. And uh, listen, I, you watch the Chelsea-Tottenham game yesterday, you watch Kepa flap at one that's going in over his head, and you think De Gea saves that 99 times out of 100. And you think maybe actually... Shot stopping for me is always going to be the number one priority. I would not, I mean, what Edison's the best keeper in the league with his feet. I want to swap to here for Edison because I think Edison's pretty rubbish at shot stopping. And for me, I would rather take shot stopping first. And I think he probably for Edison Hag, he'd take shot stopping first. Obviously, like Allison's the the best of both worlds, but you know, we, we're not going to get Allison anytime soon. And yeah, there's probably keepers out there we can get, but I think while De Gea is here, while he's a club legend, while he's winning things with the club. I think Den Haag can be very happy with him as long as he can negotiate his contract down. And yeah, I think De Gea has improved this season for sure with his distribution. He has also improved coming out and claiming balls. So I think he has tried to focus on what we saw as deficiencies. And I didn't think that at this point in his career, at this age, that he could still improve. So yeah, it's great to see. You know, again and again, we're seeing Ten Hag and his coaching staff improving players at every part of the pitch, whether it's De Gea, whether it's Juan Bissaka, Marcus Rashford, you know, the rejuvenation of uh, Jadon Sancho as well after being out 
So yeah, all over the pitch we're seeing players I'm improving. Not sure if James Sancho has been rejuvenated, by the way. I think there's a lot of talk about rejuvenated James Sancho. I think he's just the same fairly average player, but he's a bit happier now. Well, I'd say like rejuvenated from not being part of the squad <laughs> not, that he's actually from playing, not playing now. At all to, to, to playing. I think he's somewhat yeah, average. Yeah, look, he has had a couple of decent, goals as I mean. well. He has yeah, had a couple of goals. He's, sometimes he's back decent. In. Sometimes he's average. Sometimes he's poor. That's kind of that's kind of the Jadon Sancho thing. But hey, he's happy now, so that's fine. Yeah, just that he's actually involved. As I say, he scored a couple of goals since he's been back in. Uh, you know, that's a long way from he played a lot of matches, not playing very well before that. And yeah, as we know, he'd been not even part of the squad recently. So yeah, mm. I, I know there is a long way for him to go to like justify the kind of amount of money we've paid for him. But he is still only 22 years old. And I think yeah, another kind of half year under Ten Hag, we'll see what Jaden Sancho can really do. Um, but yeah, go from there. <clears throat> but yeah, look, I, 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 I absolutely love this uh, day over there. We are, you know, our next match is also in the Cup, FA Cup against uh, West Ham. Um, we will actually take a quick break there, but then, yeah, come and talk about what's coming on up there, How what are going to be our priorities going forward from this game now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so back for part three of our cup winning celebration podcast. Uh, I yeah, I don't know how you feel now about the FA Cup because for me, now that we've kind of won this one, we've had a nice nice day out at Wembley. I mean, I've already said it on this podcast before that I was not that bothered about the FA Cup because I've constantly worried about us having too many games, constantly worried about how it's going to affect us. But at the moment, Eric Ten Hag is doing a good job. Uh, he is now making a lot more in-game substitutions. And a lot of players, although maybe they're starting more games than I'd be comfortable with, they're not necessarily playing the whole matches and are getting kind of, you know, rest of 20 minutes, half an hour. So I think he is seeing that and maybe that is making a difference in keeping people fresh. But yeah, I mean, for me now, this the FA Cup in West Ham and all, it's like a free hit. That, you mm. know, if you lose, I'm not that bothered now. But I'd, I'd obviously I'd be happy to win. But I think I would like to see a much kind of changed team coming out there. Uh, or do you, or I mean, do you think we should be going for this one as well? And let's rack up the trophies. I think we should be going for everything we can. Um, it's a free hit in the sense that, yeah, if we lose, it's not the end of the world. And we've won a trophy now, so it's fine. But I mean, I think we should be trying to win it. I think we should be trying to win every single competition we're in because, I mean, that's the kind of belief that Ten Hag has given you and that's the kind of thing that you can tell that he wants. Yeah, yeah, we look, we're always going to want to win everything. Even I want to win every game. I don't want to yeah. lose. But I would put out a very rotated I think team he'll, for this. I think you, you, the best you'll get is Varane and Rashford will get rested. Um, maybe Fred. Because don't uh, forget as well that next weekend, we're going Liverpool. away to Anfield. I think, I mean, I think he'll rest around, he'll rest Rashford. That's about it. Bruno can play every single second of every minute because he's an absolute freak. Uh, Fred might get a rest as well, actually, because Fred's played a lot of football. But Casemiro, you know, he had his little break with his red card, so mm. he'll probably be in there. Maguire and Lindelof will probably come in. Um, Malassia can come in. And you've still got a decent seat side there, really. Um, so I, I kind of see him... I kind of see him going for it a little bit. Is anything? It's the interesting thing is how the team get up for it because they've, like I said, just won a cup. It's not the league; it's another cup. Can they be up for it too? I think it's that it's a good thing that it's at Old Trafford. I think because there'll be a good festive atmosphere. Now we just won the mm. Carabao Cup. Bruno bringing that or Harry Maguire bringing that on the pitch at the start of the game. That'll be quite good. I think I think we're I, I back us to win this. West Ham did just win four 0 but I can see them also resting a couple of players. I don't think the FA Cup's a big priority for them as opposed to staying up. 
So I think they'll rest some players, and I think, yeah, I think it should be a, a win. And then it just depends then. You know, if you, if you get... I don't know who's in the... I, can't, I honestly couldn't tell you who's in the FA Cup off the top of my head, but if we get a championship team in the quarterfinals, then, yeah, you'd think, all right, semis and final, we can do this. And Batiste in the Europa League is a fairly kind draw, what, the, fifth, the fifth in the Liga. So obviously, I mean, you come against a Spanish team, it's always going to be a bit tricky, especially for us. No, it's the Spanish teams, but... Yeah, you could, again, it's, not, it's a game you think, okay, we've got Old Trafford first, let's put, put up a big scoreline, get a comfortable win, and then you can go to there and kind of just play it easy, play it defensive, and get a couple of rest minutes in. So I'm looking fairly confident on these fronts. The only thing I'm not confident is on the league, just because I think we're too, too many points behind and we've got too much to do, and I don't, think, I don't really think we're in it. Yes, we're three points behind City, so technically we're in a title race, but I just don't see us doing enough to actually win the title when... With three points behind City, however many points behind Arsenal, we've still got Spurs away, Liverpool away, Newcastle. If we beat Liverpool away, then maybe I'll start thinking about it, but too many difficult away games. Um, but yeah, it's exactly things about like that where I start, you know, we start having this chat post-match after winning it, saying, well, yeah, maybe we can still be in this title race. I mean, I kind of agree with you that we're, we're, we're just about in the race, but long, long odds uh, for being really challenging I think for we're it. technically in a race, but I don't think we're actually in a race, I don't think. But yeah, then you start saying, you know, what should be the priorities for the next year? Because, you know, I always say that we can't fight for all these four things. So if we want to really say we are going for a title race and pushing on for it, then something has to give. You know, our next few games, next 10 days is basically West Ham at home, the FA Cup, Liverpool away in the Premier League, and then Real Betis come in the Europa League. So, yeah, that game comes around pretty quickly as well, the next round of the Europa League. Um, you know, we have had this chat again and again about do we want the FA Cup, do we want the Europa League, are we in the title race or not? Um, I mean, for me, I would now really like to push on in this title race. Even if we don't win it, why can't we come ahead of City? Coming second would still mm. be big this year. You know, even if we came second, <clears throat> to win a cup like this, Carabao Cup and come second would be an absolute brilliant season. Uh, so I would like to put a bit more focus back on the league, um, but yeah. But wouldn't you rather win the FA Cup than finish second? Let's be honest. If you could finish third in the FA Cup and League Cup, or second in the League Cup, you'd take, you'd take FA Cup and third every time. I, I'm, I'm not, actually not actually, so sure about that. You know, if we come I mean, second come and finish ahead of say Manchester City, the you know, what you could come, what you could win the FA Cup and beat City in the final. That's what I want. I want us to get to the FA Cup final with City in the final and beat them. Oh, That's all right. what I want no, to do. I would, I would take that. You know, a lot of it's about banter. A lot of it's about bragging rights. So as I said, if we can come above City in the league, where, where we were last season, where they were, you know, the turnaround there would be absolutely outstanding. But yeah, all right, if we can go to an FA Cup final and you're giving me this scenario of beating Manchester City in the FA Cup final, then yeah, sure, I'm going to take that. And yeah, as I said, yes. Every time. And, you know, yesterday I was talking about what a great day it is for the fans. Uh, as I said, you know, Newcastle fans were out in big numbers all weekend. But then when it actually came to match day, getting to Wembley, then, yeah, all the United Reds showed up there. And I think more because we've done it a lot more recently. United fans were arriving a bit later than the Newcastle fans who are all around London for like the couple of days before, even early in the day, whereas United fans kind of arrived a bit later. But once we got to Wembley, like, you know, around like, got around to Wembley maybe like an hour before kickoff and had a couple of drinks around Wembley before going into the stadium, then you saw the whole Manchester United family were all around there the usual areas in every part and uh you know it was great to see and yeah seeing a couple of people maybe that I haven't seen for a while as well because yeah on these cup finals you bump into people that you haven't seen on the regular kind of lot um but yeah a good day out for the fans and yeah it's a good point you made that the next match is at home and gives that opportunity for the home old Trafford fans to kind of enjoy a bit of this uh win as well there so yeah that is the nice thing of our next game being at home um, you see now as well, like Eric Ten Hag, I think just before we recorded, the United have put out this kind of open letter from Eric Ten Hag. You know, he is making a big deal of this and how, you know, it is a springboard to going forward, how he's loving the fans have been part of it, the uh, players, all the squad, everybody has done their bit. And yeah, I love to see these things coming from him. Uh, I think he's doing all the right things, saying all the right things. They're just, you know, and it goes back to the question that this does feel a bit different than when we've won things under Mourinho or, you know, have done well maybe under Ole. But yeah, this does have a different feel to it, that this will be part of something going forward for a longer kind of term. Mm. This feels like we have one of the best managers in the world, basically. 
Yeah, um, no, you know, you'd asked me that last week, didn't you? Would you change him for anybody? He said, no, no, I wouldn't. And uh, God, no. And I'd have to say, I, I was a bit unsure about Ten Hag before he came. I have always been a big lover, anyone who's listened to this for a long time, of Pochettino. I wanted Pochettino even when we were looking at Mourinho. And I thought maybe this is finally his time. But look, the club went with Ten Hag. I don't know how much credit we can actually give to the likes of the Glazers or whoever choosing him or whether they've just finally got lucky. It was one of those that, you know, let's keep changing managers. And I think I remember you saying something like this. You know, I've always been somebody who said, give a manager time, let's see what they do. And you said, listen, let's keep changing until we find the one that actually hits let's it. Let's keep changing. To find it. Well, listen, and the thing with that is actually someone in the club deserves some credit because the obvious choice was Pochettino, I think. I think if you, go, if you go back to the summer, I think the obvious choice is Poch because of his track record and the fact that he was available uh, for free because he not, wasn't managing PSG. That is the obvious choice. And the club didn't go with that. And they went for Ten Hag, who was the... I have to pay some money to get him, not the sexiest name in football, but I mean, that is, he's, they've nailed on that choice, and whether that was, I don't know, what's um, what's the guy's name? Uh, Arnold, whether that was Arnold or yeah, whether. Richard Arnold, John uh, Myrtle. Yeah, Richard Arnold or John Myrtle, probably one of them too. Can't imagine it was the Glaziers, but yeah, fair play to them. They've got it right. We have to, I mean, this I mean, a lot of people did want Ten Hag, and I, I, I'll punch in Ten Hag, I did want Ten Hag. I was always a big fan of Potter, though, so, you know, can't, t- can't trust anything I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned the Glazers there. Avram Glazer was, of course, in the stands. Uh, I saw some things on Twitter from rival fans saying, oh, look at these United fans. Now that they're winning something, nobody's saying anything about the Glazers. And just to say to anybody, that is absolute nonsense. Around me in the stands, there was constant and Glazer chance. There was two or... Yeah, you could hear it on the TV as well. So. Oh, I see it. I can't believe people are saying that. You know, there was like green or gold banners around me, uh, several green or gold scarves. Although, yeah, everybody was given a nice kind of match day commemorative scarf at Wembley yesterday. We all had one of those to come out with. But yeah, there was plenty of anti-Glazer chanting, loads of that going on. And I would say that, you know, there's a lot of debates at the moment, a lot of threads on Red Cafe about ownership. We briefly touched it on the last show. I mean, there's a lot the big discussions at the moment is, would you prefer Ratcliffe, Ineos? Would you prefer a Qatari bid? Now I've seen a thread go out there from some people saying, well, is it better devil you know? Should we stick with the Glazers? Um, I'm kind of surprised by that discussion coming out. But I do know that there is some people who are like strongly against the idea of state ownership and Qatari ownership. Um, I mean, it's not clear whether this is a state bid at the moment. Officially, they're saying it's not and that Sheikh Jassim is a kind of independent entity. We'll still find out more about that. So that's a separate kind of discussion. So I know there's a lot who are very against that. And, you know, reasons given are that, look, we don't want to be another Manchester City or PSG sports washing mm. kind of project. And yeah, I do kind of understand that. But I will say that I think amongst like the match going fan base, for sure, that everybody wants to see the back of the Glazers. And that whether yeah. there is reservations about Ineos, whether there is reservations about Qatar, they will take either of those options ahead of the Glazers. I don't know many. I, in fact, I don't know anyone who will say, I will stick with the Glazers. I mean, and that comes from me myself, that I've not always been the biggest critic for the Glazers. I've always said that I didn't want them in the first place, that we had made bad decisions uh, in the boardroom on managerial change. But yeah, they have given a lot of money to the managers and things like that. I mean, my biggest issues now, why I do want to see the back of the Glazers is that it's about underinvestment in the infrastructure. It's about boardroom kind of structures where, as I said, bad decisions have been made again and again on recruitment of managers and players. And it's just like, you know, 10 years of things not going that well. You say, look, it is time for a kind of change. Um, but we're seeing stories now saying that they are being offered options of staying in the club by hedge funds funding them and things like that. And yeah, we have to see how this thing plays out. But I mean, would you do you know anyone more on like the match going side who would want to stay with the Glazers ahead of these other options? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think everyone kind of wants them out for all the reasons you said. Uh, and plus, you know, the fact that they saddle the club with debt and just take the money and take the money and run is, I mean, that's the reason everyone wants them out. I know a lot of people who don't want the Qataris. Um, I know a lot of people who don't want Ineos either as well. I know I know people who do want the Qataris and don't want it. I know, I know, I know a few people want it either way. I just, you don't, the, 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 I mean, I'm not the biggest critic of the Qatari bid, but you don't, you look at that Newcastle and the Saudis and the City and um, 
PSG. Etihad and yeah. yeah, you don't want United to become this ambassador for well, a nation or whatever. Like we have our own money, we're a, have our own history. Like we can we can be self sufficient on ourselves. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit conflicted on the whole thing, really. Just I don't know. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised if Glazers stay though. I, I've always maintained that I will not be surprised one bit if the Glazers stick around. I've said this from the day. I will only believe that the Glazers are out when I see actually see the back of them. Until then, I will not believe that the Glazers will leave this club, especially when it's on the up. I think um, they see opportunity and Dell sees it. No, I mean, look, we know for sure that Abraham and Joel at least do want to stay in the club in some mm. capacity, whether it's minority shareholders, whether they manage to cling on by bringing in some finance in the background. You know, there's a and lot of And that's what I think going. it'll be. I can see it being this financing thing. I can see it being an American thing. Um, and that's how they get some more funds to redevelop the stadium and redevelop the infrastructure. Um, and yeah, I can see that, that being the thing, unfortunately. No, yeah, and look, not many of our fans want to see that. As I say, some the arguments out there start saying, listen, we are doing well now. Ten Hag is doing well. Do we want to rock the boat by changing things up in the boardroom that, you know, maybe Murtaugh and uh, Rich and Arnold are doing a good job now compared to the likes of Ed Woodward, who, you know, failed again and again. But yeah, we don't know whether it's just pure luck that they pulled out Ten Hag. And also on the recruitment side, I think it's pretty clear that Ten Hag himself has been pushing these players because we know from the players mm. who've come in, the players he knows uh, from various places. And again, it was great to see him celebrating with Anthony and Lissandro post-match, his two players that he mm. bought in from Ajax. There was a bit, a few extra pictures of them. Um, but yeah, we'll see how this all rolls out. And you know, ultimately as well, the sad thing is that we don't have any control on this. Really, they don't really care what the fans think. I do think one thing though that might be interesting where the likes of bidders off Ineos and uh, the Qatari Sheikh Jassim. Maybe one of them might make a play to kind of partner up with some kind of fan group. You know, Must and things have been quite vocal about these things. And maybe that's the way they might push themselves forward. And if there was an owner that came out and said, look, we're going to give a percentage of shares to the fans, put a fan representative on the board, that that for me would make a massive difference in who I kind of wanted to come in. I mean, I would like to see that kind of move going forward. I mean, the Glazers had promised fan shares and things like that, but obviously that's all gone completely quiet now as they talk about selling the club. Um, but yeah, we will keep updated on what's going on over here. But I did want to mention that, as I said, because Avram Graver was at the game, there was plenty, plenty of Glazer out chanting going over there. Uh, and as I say, my feeling is that the vast majority of Manchester United fans, even if they have reservations about a Qatari bid, even if they have reservations about Jim Radcliffe, they want to see a change from the Glazers and something else going yeah. forward now. Um, but obviously, yeah, we hope that our manager keeps getting backed and that, yeah, we can go on from strength to strength. And I don't see that anybody who came in would change anything of that. They would only hopefully bring more investment and more backing for the manager to do what he wants to do. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's what makes us appealing at the moment is the fact that we're clearly on the way up and. You wonder how you wonder how the bids and how things would look if we didn't have Ten Hag. Might be a bit different. Yeah, it would be. And what kind of price they get, how much money they think they need to investing in the squad. I mean, yeah. That's the other thing. We I think say a lot of fans I see that arguments against somebody like the Qatari bid is that we don't wanna just be throwing money at everything and you know, no. it's not the the question mark comes in is like when you win something, is it as worthy? And I have to say I've always had this argument against City and things like that, saying, look, you know, we want everything with our own money, everything built up over years and years. We didn't need these kind of sugar daddies and, you know, breaking and twisting round financial fair play rules. You know, we did it all to the rule book. So we don't want to have that, but we don't need it. You know, Manchester United generate so much of their own money. We have spent huge amounts in the transfer uh, market anyway over like the past five to 10 years, as much as nearly anybody uh, although, yeah. yeah, we don't know how much City have spent unofficially with that old schemes to come out in the wash yet. But yeah, on official numbers, we've spent as much as anybody. And so, yeah, we don't need that kind of huge amount. And people talk about, oh, we're going to buy Mbappe. We're going to buy Bellingham. Uh, you know, we've already been able to afford this kind of level of player, whether we bought in the likes of Pogba and all that before. And yeah, we'll continue to do that. But yeah, investment in the stadium and the amount of money needed for that is a whole different scenario then. You start talking about one to two billion. Um, yeah, look, we will keep obviously covering this owner situation. 
I think we're coming to the end, unless I've forgotten anything, Imran, you want to add about the final or anything there? Nope, just that it's great to win things something again. Yeah, it is great. As I say, six years since the last trophy, the longest time since 1983. Uh, let's hope it's the first of many. And yeah, I think we maybe could be hoping for another trophy even this season, but uh, we'll keep updating on everything where we're at yet we will come back probably after the liverpool game now i would say yeah uh although yeah you never know you might be lucky and we feel like throwing out an extra episode for you uh hit us up on all the usual channels twitter and all that and yeah good to see quite a few fans joining us in our match day discord as well head over to patreon if you want to get involved in that only cost you like a pound a month if you want to get involved in our match day chat and there is other levels there um, if any and yeah people are even welcome to come and join us on the podcast if you want to uh, but yeah that is all from us for now we will see you back next week thank you for listening to United Hour remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore hour please take the time to leave a five star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings to get in touch please email unitedhour at gmail.com Podcast Network. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.